Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp, a Star Trek podcast. Join us on our continuing mission to explore intersectional diversity in infinite combinations. My name's Jira, and thanks for tuning in. With me today are Grace. Hello, darling. How was your day? It was so good. Thanks, Kenneth. <laughs> and Sue. What lovely listeners you are. <laughs> what our listeners do algebra and science and they're top of their class in French. And budding athletes. <laughs> so. <laughs> For the people who haven't figured out what we're, ta- uh, what we're alluding to, it's going to be really weird right now. <laughs> yeah. Write in. Tell us what kind of mental breakdown you think we're having. <laughs> I'm sure that this doesn't sound like a typical Women at Work episode, but that's because we are talking about the Voyager episode Real Life. Which was a Patreon suggestion from Craig. Hey, thank you. Yay. But before we get into that, we have a bit of housekeeping to do first. Our show is made possible by our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month and get awesome rewards from thanks on social media up to silly watch along commentaries and other stuff. Like earlier, the same day that I'm recording this, me and Andy recorded a Spore Jump episode on Everything Everywhere All at Once, which features much gushing. Yes. So visit patreon.com slash women at warp if you'd like to take a listen. Are you looking for podcast merch? Check out our Tee Public store at tpublic.com slash stores slash women at warp. We have tons of designs and we're adding new ones all the time on t-shirts, masks, notebooks, stickers, basically anything you can think of. Again, that's tpublic.com slash stores slash women at warp. You can also find our convention pins and patches online at womenatwarp.com slash shop while supplies last. And I also want to give a very, very special birthday shout out to our patron, Laura, whose birthday was September 2nd. Happy birthday, Laura! Happy birthday! birthday! You're the perfect patron. (laughs) And if we made a hologram of you, it would... Wait, that sounds weird. It would be unkillable. It would be consensual. Yes. <laughs> We'd help you find your ion mallet any day. And we would we would make a holographic birthday cake for you. Aw. That that's the probably the sweetest one that we should go with. We'll all sign <laughs> that card. Anything else? Do we have any crew appearances and upcoming events? I think, Grace, you have Rose City Comic Con coming up. That's right. Uh, the weekend of the 9th to the 11th is Rose City Comic Con. So come check it out. Check out the Trek offerings. Nice. I will also be at Ottawa Comic Con the same weekend, particularly Saturday, September 10th, where I'll be running a panel called Women's Roles in Star Trek Today. And we'll be talking about how roles are for women in all the new streaming era series and where there's still room to do more. But I'm sure we'll also celebrate a lot about fabulous characters like Michael Burnham and New Seven of Nine and some of our favorite characters from the other shows. Fabulous. And the day this episode drops is the last day of Dragon Con. So future me is very tired. (laughs) Send send your love and good vibes and (laughs) anti-hangover cures to Sue. Yes, definitely. Apparently, my my new medication, like, makes you get drunker even faster oh when goodness. you drink with it. Oh, no. So it's going to be – well, we'll see if I try that for the first time at Dragon Con. It is unclear as of yet. <laughs> Oof. You know, I'm on a medication that's supposed to do that, but I haven't actually noticed any impact. 
Don't take advice from us, listeners. We're not a medical <laughs> podcast. Our medical advice should not be taken seriously. It's for fun. It's for fun, ladies and gentlemen. My doctor said be careful. So <laughs> listen to your doctors, yes. not podcasters. <laughs> and also maybe don't listen to the doctor. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's my segue for today's episode. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> So um, as mentioned, we're talking today about the Voyager episode, Real Life. Grace, do you want to give us a super high level synopsis of this episode? Yeah, Real Life is the episode where the doctor to sort of try and figure out what this family thing uh, humanoid species are always talking about is makes a hologram family. He makes them super loving and perfect and together and like all of the criteria he would personally seek out in a family or hope to raise a family to be. And Belana hears about this and isn't wild about it, so she adjusts the parameters some. And unfortunately, it turns out family is really challenging and dramatic, and you don't get to pick what happens with it. And the doctor gets to experience that firsthand. Yeah. Also, there's a spatial anomaly, but it's very forgettable. Yeah, I watched that ep- this episode just a few hours ago, and I don't even remember the B-plot. <laughs> That's how unimportant it is compared to the rest of this episode. It didn't make a ton of sense. No. Yeah. I was taking notes trying to summarize it and just gave up. So we'll just <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. A pretty forgettable beef plot, unfortunately. But Janeway's hair was perfect. It was terrific. Awesome. So, and actually one other thing I'll say from the B plot, it wasn't specifically about the anomaly, but before we dive into the Doctor family stuff, there was a fun little scene of Torres and Paris flirting where he finds her Klingon romance novel. Oh my god, I love I love that 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 canonically there are ro- Klingon romance novels now and I want to know everything about them. <laughs> yes. I wonder if Pell would potentially branch out and also publish Klingon oh romance novels. I love that idea. I love the idea of there just being various different romance novel imprints across the galaxy. Mhm. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Also, it's kind of nice that there is a part of Torres's Klingon culture that she appreciates. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love a good steamy read every now and then? I mean, doesn't it seem a little out of character, though? It, yeah, it seems a little, little, little tiny bit. Okay. Look, <laughs> man, everyone needs some contradictions in their lives. I feel like season three, it seems out of character. I feel like if it had been yeah. in like season five, I know she still goes through kind of a several points of rejecting Klingon culture, but I feel like season five and six, she's just more comfortable with herself as a person. Yeah. I just, I I appreciate the jokes and the humor, but it just like, it it has always felt a little bit off to me, (laughs) but you know. So has uh, Balana's asymmetrical braid situation in this episode. That's an awkward look that I guess they only did for this episode and we're like, this isn't working. Yeah, Memory Alpha says it is literally the only episode I wish that, that <laughs> hairstyle looked else. I think it looks cool, but... <laughs> cool, but that to me doesn't feel very Balana. No, it doesn't. She doesn't strike me as the I'm bored, I'm gonna braid my hair type. Yeah, it seems like, like with characters like Hira, they went through periods of being like, how can we do this, this strong woman's hair differently? And just... Yeah not always being super successful. Or maybe it's a callback to one of the plot aspects of this episode that I've got so many opinions on is when Balana upgrades the doctor's family, his son gets like really, you don't understand me, dad. And he's into Klingon culture. And they've all got some very interesting hair choices going on. 
And I wonder if that's meant to kind of be like a, oh no, this is this has always been a Klingon look. These weird rat tails we got. Yeah, look, look Bolana's got a side braid, <laughs> perfectly normal. I would buy that. Um, I think. I mean, we do see other Klingons with braids, like wharf at periods of time, um, or at least ponytails. I guess maybe not fully braids. Yeah. Braids and ponytails are one thing, but these guys, they have got like very specific dangly mm-hmm. hair extension things going on. It feels very 90s teenage Klingon. Oh, totally. It feels very Padawan, Anakin Skywalker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh no, which came first, this episode or The Phantom Menace? <laughs> I think this episode, but it was Oh no! Oh no! Padawan braids, I'm telling you. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh, man. But Jared, you you pulled this quote from a review. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, I pulled a, a quote from uh, Michelle Erica Green's review. She always has great reviews of Trek episodes with a feminist bent. And uh, she wrote, I'd much rather have seen why Torres decided to braid her hair and read romance novels. <laughs> because although I certainly have no objections to women doing either of those things... The abruptness of this change makes it appear less like character development and more like a stereotypical signal of her softening up for Paris. Underneath that tough exterior lies a real girl. Maybe that will save her from the ugly anti-Klingon bigotry we see in the fantasy life of the Doctor. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Can we talk about that some more a little bit about the son's whole, I'm into Klingon stuff now, dad? Wouldn't kind of the equivalent of that be like a white kid saying, like, I'm really into this culture now. Yeah. And the fact that there are a pair of Klingons, like, of Klingon kids his own age kind of taking him under their wing, I've got only two real considerations of the direction that that's going, and that is either they're like, oh my god, look at look at this human tool, we're totally convincing him he's one of us, what a loser. Or they're young and dumb enough that they're like, no, man, we... We're we're so cool. We've got we've got a human in our group. We're gonna teach him how to be Klingon. Take him under our wings. We have all the knowledge to recognize the true Klingonness of this human because we're teenage boys and know everything. <laughs> I mean, the latter sounds very much like my teen experience. Oh no! Like it feels it that feels like authentic to teenagers. <laughs> teenage stupidity yes well and i mean in the episode they're directly trying to get him to like participate in a ritual where he kills someone right or kills something i don't know were they trying to go for like he gets radicalized and joins a gang or something no he's just fallen in with a bad crowd according to jeffrey he asked to participate right oh my gosh well and i think this kind of sums up what's wrong with the doctor's approach I mean, it's obviously super racist. He he doesn't go, oh my god, Jeremy, you're being really inappropriate in these specific also, ways. Also super culturally appropriative, kid. He's very, he's he's gunning for young Mr. Rachel DeLazel. It's <laughs> a little creepy. But, you know, with Klingons. He never tells Jeffrey, like, here are the actions you're doing that's wrong. It's like, no, your friends are Klingons and that's what's wrong. You should find some nice yeah. Vulcans to hang out with. Oh my and, gosh. Like, it's so it's racist. It's so racist. Well, considering this whole episode starts in kind of the Doctor's whole leave it to beaver fantasy, yeah, it was probably going to get uncomfortable mm-hmm. at some point. But, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, it starts with this, like, 1950s sitcom patriarchal bullshit. Yeah. But then it changes into, like, a 1990s sitcom. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's basically Star Trek Malcolm in the middle, but not funny. Yeah. And there's still <laughs> plenty of patriarchal bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But Bolana yes. changes it, but she doesn't. I mean, maybe it's a little more reality based, but not a ton. No. And I mean, I would understand it if it was like Bolana just made it randomly generate problems. Uh-huh. I would believe that. Yeah, but like if Bolana came up with that stuff herself. Oh my god, if Bolana programmed the whole situation to be like, yeah, and then you're gonna have your son fall in with Klingons. Yes, this was programmed by a Klingon. How are you gonna react to that, Doctor? Hmm? <laughs> Man, and then if she was watching, we never see her reaction. Yeah. But like, let's go back to the, the 50s patriarchal bullshit for a second. All of them lining up to see dad off to work and arguing over who gets to kiss him goodbye first. Oh my gosh. And also all of their, like, their house looks very 90s, even though they're in the 50s. And yeah, like, so, but a couple of things I don't get. So first of all, there's references that particularly Torres makes outside of the holodeck and that the doctor makes that, like, directly come from that era that don't seem to me to be like stuff they should just have picked up normally in the 24th century. Like when (laughs) the doctor calls his wife the little woman Mm -hmm. and Torres totally gets it and says like, tell your wife to break out the good China. Like who's, who's like families even have China today? Like my mom does and none (laughs) of the kids want it. Same. Yeah. So like the idea that we're going to have A culture in the 24th century, given everything we've seen in Star Trek, where someone's going to call some their wives the little woman. We're hoping that these concepts are unrecognizable by the future. Yeah. It's very weird to me. And then, like, another point is, like, basically, what does it mean that the doctor wanted his family like this? Because he says, I provided the computer with my requirements for a mate and children. If I were to choose a real wife, my tastes would be the same. Intelligence, educational organizational skills which sounds great but really like he's picked a wife who doesn't have a career and like fully exists to serve him and the children yeah he's kind of kidding himself there let's be honest and also a lot of that really plays into the whole situation of okay but with a real life partnership and family you don't get to pick their traits there are traits that you look for in a romantic partner and there are traits that you encourage in your children but You don't get to pick their personality. They develop that themselves. And, well, 1950s Charlene exhibits maybe one of those traits, right? Which would be organizational skills. Yeah. Yeah, so the doctor's full of it. And 1990s Charlene exhibits way more of them. Yeah, Yeah, and she's, like, got her her life and she's like, I'm busy. I have stuff to do. I can't hear about your work day right now. I'm sorry. So I went to check, because I just hadn't looked before, at who had written the teleplay and it was jerry taylor yeah it was but it was with a freelance script writer that uh she felt showed a lot of promise not to say like you know i'm sure she had a big hand in it and yeah i don't know i mean it's yeah it's got some issues but like i think it would have made more sense if he had you know if it had been like a wandavision type scenario where this was kind of early WandaVision in a way, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but like if he had come across the like archival records on like on human families and yeah. modeled the the holo program like off it, not knowing that that was like 
a 1950s sitcom. Right. Yeah. Can we talk about Wendy Shaw as Charlene again? Just because I appreciate the fact that her like super peppy 50s Stepford wife attitude thing and how incredibly scary good at it she is with just the slightly too wide smile and the peppy voice. I appreciate that she got to bring that sort of peppy voice thing into a later role because she's also, she plays the wife on American Dad. So it was one of those Mm -hmm. moments of, oh, wow, that seems like such a quintessential happy, perky wife voice. And it's like, oh, wait, I've heard it before. (laughs) Yeah, she's really good in this role. Yeah, and apparently she and uh, Robert Picardo both worked together on Inner Space. So they were friends previously already. So that must have been fun. Yeah. Random other casting fact, uh, Belle was played by Lindsay Hahn, who also played the child Beatrice in Janeway's hollow novel. Ah, small world. Yeah. Well, small casting call. (laughs) Uh, The actor who played Jeffrey was also fine and was in a couple of things that I had not heard of. (laughs) That's how it goes always when you're looking through the cast listings in any iteration of Star Trek. You're like, oh, they went on to do an interesting thing. They went on to do semi-interesting thing. and, And they just didn't really do much else. Yep. That's always the crapshoot of looking through the cast listing on any TV show, though. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure he did other great things in his life, yeah. just not things that were on IMDb. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're sure you have lived a happy and very full life. We just aren't very aware of it. Yeah. But I can totally appreciate why Bolana would have a very negative reaction to yeah. seeing this family at dinner. Mm-hmm. It's so gross just watching them all yeah Kenneth's the best (laughs) he's the best dad ever especially considering the fact that I don't know how much of it we've established at this point but Bellana personally had kind of a rough family setup going on with coming from multiple cultural backgrounds that didn't really meld together very well and kind of resented each other Mm mm-hmm so for her, that's got to be really a kind of a personal jab in the ribs hearing the doctor be like, I don't know, this family thing seems easy. Mm-hmm. I don't know what people are talking about when they say it can be challenging. Yeah. And okay, so then she's like, okay, but this is totally unrealistic and I can help. And the doctor yeah. agrees to this. But I feel like we have to pause here and talk, go back to the discussion on like holodecks and consent. And it's particularly weird because... I mean, there's no reason to think these are sentient holograms, but the doctor being a sentient hologram, and these are supposed to be people he loves? Or like a, it doesn't feel like he, uh, until stuff gets like really emotional, it doesn't feel like it's a love thing so much as a, these are my prop family situation. Yeah, that's what's weird about it to me is it's it's always missing that ingredient of like, these are people I love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These are people I have personally invested in, but no, they're just kind of trappings of what he thinks a family life should be like, mm-hmm. or what his concept of family seems like it should be to him. Yeah, exactly. And he, I mean, it's partly his own hubris, like when Cass oh, definitely, talks yeah. about like, are you sure about this whole thing? He's like, well, I've learned everything there is to learn about pediatrics. So <laughs> Look, the doctor is 50% sarcasm. 20% grandiosity and 30% hubris. Yeah. So that was just bound to happen. And that strikes again because he knows everything there is to know about pediatrics. And mm-hmm. then there's nothing he can do for his hollow daughter. Yeah. Yep. The sort of bent of the third act is when things start getting, you know, challenging and stuff for the family, then his holographic daughter has an accident and 
even, you know, with his, you know, expertise, she's not going to make it. And so he kind of tries to bail being like, no, I can't deal with this. Mm -hmm. And she does end up dying. And that's the end of the episode, which I, based on remembering that ending, I assumed this episode came way later in the series because it seemed like just such an intense thing to put the doctor through Mm -hmm. and just such a dark kind of end that I would have expected for later in the series, but not as early as season three. And we really, I think with the doctor and with Tom Paris, we definitely see some hint at the future growth of both the characters there because we have to see the doctor try and learn through this whole situation. And it's, it's actually kind of neat that we get to see Tom be the one to have the conversation with him of being like, well, that's, that's the thing with family and that's about getting emotionally invested in stuff. There's the good parts and you don't get to pick when and how the bad parts happen. You just have to take it all as part of the experience. And that's the real challenge of any kind of relationship. And it's kind of cool that we get to see Tom be the one to deliver that in that we already see him having grown from being like season one, Tom Paris, who's just like, yeah, I'm the fun fly boy who hits on everything. I think they could have driven that home a bit more, though, because yeah. I mean, we've already seen Balana mess with this program, right? Mm-hmm. And then the doctor goes back and he's like, this is bananas. This is too hard. What's happening? Oh my God, thank God he didn't get Tom to look at the hologram program because we get Tom considering himself kind of the hologram doctor, like of hologram programs later. But that doesn't even come up, right? He could have said, I don't like this. I want to change it back, which could have opened another discussion about, Mm -hmm. like, the things you don't get to choose. Yeah. And that, like, life just comes at you and family just comes at you. And the people in your family, your children are people. They're not just your props and they're not just who you want them to be. They're who they need to be. For good or for bad, yeah. Well, and that that doesn't even come up. All we get is like a passing line in a log entry of like, I've decided to stick with it. And I think if if he had had that discussion with someone, you know, somewhere in act two of like, you don't get to choose this, Mm -hmm. then that makes what happens in act three with with his daughter with Belle, even more impactful. Yeah. Also, the fact that we never see his holographic family ever again for the rest of the show. So I guess he gets bored with it. it yeah, because Paris is like, oh, you need to be there to support them. So he's there once. Or may- well, maybe it was just a factor of getting closure on the situation for the doctor and being like, okay, I'm going to experience what this is like. And now I'm done with this experiment. Yeah, it does feel like that. It does feel like, you know, especially if they're not sentient and you're just allowed to like edit their reality and like their your algorithms and you just kind of can give them a hug and go home that it's more about his own experience than it is about them which just feels like kind of cold and weird think about it this way is the doctor speed running through familial trauma or is he just having a really rough week playing the sims (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's put so well thank you Man, okay, the other thing that I think doesn't work very well about this episode is that problematic Charlene is career woman Charlene. Ex- yeah, yeah, and that's the thing that he didn't expect, that he was going to put together all of these things, like she's well-organized, thoughtful, intelligent, and all that, and then when she actually wants to do something with that, then he's like, What?! And she's being totally reasonable! Also, she's just like, yeah. look, I'm on my way to a meeting, I can't hear about your day right now, I love you, bye! 
Yeah, exactly. Me and my sensible jacket don't have time for this. <laughs> also, like, her hairstyle is, like, harsher and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But she makes an excellent point to him at his little family meeting of, like, mm-hmm. we're supposed to be in this together. I thought mm-hmm. you would have yeah. consulted me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of funny that the holograms get to be the one to do that whole, it doesn't sound like anyone here is really making compromise, that we're the ones making compromises mm-hmm. and not you. And his kids say, what are you sacrificing? We're all sacrificing. Yeah. What are you sacrificing? Yeah. Yeah. He's basically like redone her schedule for her and all this stuff. It's so ridiculous. And all of them. Yeah. But I think, you know, I get that there aren't a lot of families on Voyager, but there are couples and yeah. he so all of his frame of reference and, and presumably a lot of people who grew up in families yeah but also all of his frame of reference should be couples where both people work because they're on a ship so it should be weird to him that you would have a couple where the wife doesn't work well he is also a little self-centered so yeah and i'm not saying that like that's never a valid choice but like in this case it's clearly a it's a leave it to beaver stereotype and yeah. that and so like for it to be like the ideal family is my wife doesn't work and then you know the problems he deals with with his kids are also like understandable kid things but it yeah. still like positions him as like he's the normal one <laughs> he's the marilyn of this family he's the marilyn munster of this super 90s family and now i'm just imagining the doctor with that Marilyn Munster helmet hair. Google it, won't you? I don't know. I feel like you could have just had Charlene at the beginning also have mm-hmm. a job and it would have made it a lot less weird and yeah. cringy. It could <laughs> yeah. have just been that she's less willing to help, like, you know, to just like be endlessly patient with him and do all the work with the kids. She had to give a holographic lectures to other holograms about hologrammatics yeah yeah and like okay so so that's her like you know uh redo is that she is harried career woman who doesn't have have time for his shenanigans and yet still when she can't find like her parisi squares mallet the daughter bell is freaking out being like i want mommy so Mom's the one who's got all of her uh, ducks in a row still in this situation. Isn't that child a little old to be throwing an I want mommy tantrum? Yeah. I was thinking that too. But also then again, everyone, if if they're freaking out hard enough, can throw a tantrum. But generally, I would agree with that. I mean, I've seen kids that were around that age throw tamper tantrums but i agree it seems a bit like the the specific i want mommy Mm -hmm, like that that feels like a very young child thing to me anyway i don't Mm -hmm. i have cats like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know maybe she was a different age at a different point in the script writing well again it just seems like it goes from a 50s stereotype to a 90s family stereotype and like all of these types of like problems quote-unquote are like almost not complicated enough <laughs> like if anything Bolana should have pushed it farther like had the sun fall in with the ferengis and mm-hmm. then he has to explain to his son the evils of capitalism but keep it within you know a 90s prime time rating approval <laughs> so they can be racist in a different way <laughs> exactly 
In a slightly more complicated way. The doctor should have to explain appropriation to his kid. Oh my god, yes. The doctor, oh, how about the kid falls into, in with a bunch of other white humans that want to be more like Klingons, and then the doctor has to explain appropriation. (laughs) (laughs) The son, instead of falling in with Klingons, falls in with a bunch of white guys with dreadlocks who try and talk with Jamaican accents, and he has to be like, son, not only is this super cringe- but it's also kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. And how about instead of the daughter being still like a really high achiever and super competitive at a sport, how about she just like doesn't want to do any of the things that her parents want her to do and she wants to do yeah. something completely different? Also, the fact that the complication with the daughter is that she is, you know, competitive and wants to mm-hmm. keep playing Parisi squares with people who are in an older age group and stuff. I feel like that says something also about the sort of like, oh, no, the daughter's competitive. No. Yeah. I mean, coupled with the wife being too like career focused, it feels like it all just highlights again the role of the doctor as the patriarch. (laughs) Oh, doctor. Doctor knows best. Doctor is not going to be the one leading the dismantling of the patriarchy in space dismantling of hologram oppression maybe a little but patriarchy not so much oh man it must be a it must suck so bad to be a woman hologram in that movement uh, yeah it it seems to me like it also happens so fast so like with his new family we'll call him we'll call them the zimmermans 2.0 <laughs> they are all, uh, like, the only moment that he has that is really good with them is, like, the one moment where Belle's like, I love you, Daddy. And everything else is kind of a disaster, too. So it also makes it hard to kind of feel like he would be that attached to it. Yeah. It feels like they had to do the I love you, Daddy thing so that there's actual, like, emotional stake in her having a, a deadly injury. Yeah. Like, if it had been the son, he probably would have been like, Ah, well, better luck next time. Let's restart this program and tweak my sims so that they're more fun for me. They're all going to be plant people this time. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there could have been more if, I don't know, maybe if they hadn't spent so long on the first iteration of the family. Or if they just dealt, did away with the stupid B-plot with about the anomaly that no one remembers. Yeah, I, I say uh, just yeet that B-plot. Like, what if people like Janeway and other people came and gave him some useful advice? I think it's funny also the fact that Kess comes to visit and it's and her interactions are just so innocuous and have so very little to do with what goes on. Like, she's just like, yes, this is nice. Okay, if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. And that says something, Yeah, I think, about both... Kess at this point in the series and uh, Kess and her relationship to the doctor, I think, that it's just like, oh no, she's just the nice, sweet, accommodating little blonde. And then that kind of translates over to the wife and you kind of have to go, um, mm, mm, at least I did anyway. I think the only thing that Kess really does is show up to the family and just kind of side-eye them a little bit with uh, Bellana, and then later on being like, oh yeah, how's your family doing? And then him being like, I'm not doing the family thing anymore. Poor Kess. This was a stopgap episode for her. You know who could have given good advice? Tuvok. Mm. Tuvok would have been great, because Tuvok actually, you know, has a family and 
kids and is, you know, very logical. <laughs> but no, I guess uh, Tuvok was too busy with the B-plot this episode. Maybe the doctor needs to make some Vulcan friends. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I feel like Paris also could have been helpful as someone who had a fraught relationship with his dad. Yeah. Not just Definitely. Like, helpful at the end about like you have to go be with your dying hollow daughter. Oh, no, no. I kind of liked the fact that Tom doesn't get to that. Uh, even for what it is, Tom, having had a fraught family relationship, mm-hmm. gets to be like, yeah, you don't get to pick what you what happens and the people that are in your family it just kind of happens yeah and as someone who's had some kind of fraught familial times that yeah that's it or at least again in my experience sometimes the best thing you can do after a bad experience with family is be like well i know what happens when all that collides together now and now i get to just walk away and be like well that happened Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, definitely. I just feel yeah. like, I don't know, I feel like we're missing things that could have made it work better. <laughs> like, I, I think there's some good things here. Oh, there's some great things here. Like, I there's some good points where Picardo is just acting his ass off. Mm-hmm. It just, the whole thing feels like it's written first for comedy. Yeah. Instead of first for analysis isn't the right word but for for learning for for discussion that's kind of a recurring theme with doctor centric episodes though isn't it we've got this and we've got author author and they both start out as like kind of comedic and then after a while get into like a pretty serious conversation and while they both have their merits to them as episodes there are some points where you're both you get kind of whiplashed by it by the change up yeah same with virtuoso yeah I think they figured out, like, we have a strategy for doctor stories. Start funny, get serious. When you've got Robert Picardo, you yeah. use him, right? <laughs> but, like... You don't keep the Mustang in the shed, no. They, they, it could have been so much deeper. Yeah. It could have, yes, definitely. And it, it feels... It feels as superficial as yes. that band-aid on that dying little girl's head. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it looks like it's just kind of peeling off there probably was oh man like okay if she had a had severe and like multiplying cerebral hemorrhages i don't think she would be that articulate (laughs) and peaceful i mean mean, she is on probably very good 24th century drugs yeah but it just yeah it feels like another cliche it's very cliched but still at the same time this is uh, i i did tear up while watching this episode again i i don't usually actually cry very much over stuff but this one was one where by the time it got to the end it was like no i'm i'm feeling an emotion here and it is sad the first time i watched this i 100 percent bald i have a strong yeah. memory of that yeah the point where he where his uh daughter's like where he's talking to hologram daughter and he's telling her she had a head injury and she's like well what's gonna happen to me and he just has to go computer freeze program mm-hmm. and walk out that part just gut punched me yeah, I used to feel feelings about this episode before I was a cold, cynical career woman like Charlene. <laughs> you either die a bell or live long enough to be a Charlene. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> also, um, can we talk about the fact that uh, because we're talking about it being kind of comedic and then going into dramatic territory, that the director of this episode was 
God, I can't get over it. it. Was Potsy on Happy Days? Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So talk about a comedy background. Nice. Um, yeah. What's his name? His name is Anson Williams. Okay. Yeah, he did a bunch of directing after being a teen TV star. Huh. Yes. So you know, good for him and all that. But at the same time. It's fun every now and then to be like, oh, yeah, this was like this intense episode where like uh, the doctor has to learn all about, you know, the fragility of human life and emotion, the risks that you take with emotional connections and how you don't get to call the shots, even if you're looking for a specific thing. It was directed by Potsy. Nice. Yeah. So, okay, so we sort of talked about like what would have been a better approach if we had had more time. And we weren't necessarily having all the other characters drop in to give advice. Like, what sh- approach should the Doctor have taken to, like, his new family, do you think? I would have said invite, like, more of the crew to that family dinner thing, because then we would have gotten to see more creative side-eyeing of the 50s family, for one thing. Mm-hmm. And then we would have gotten everyone's two cents on, this is bullshit. <laughs> like, so with the Klingon... You know, your friend, your kid is hanging out with Klingon teens. Yeah. How to talk to your kid about hanging out with Klingons. Still racist. I mean, my take is to focus on the, focus on yeah. the actions and not yeah. the race of the kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, like, try to figure out, try to maybe listen to him and, like, figure out what he's trying to gain from these types of things. Yeah, be like, okay, what about this is speaking to you? What about... The life that you have now is not speaking to you. Like, flesh him out a little more. Mm-hmm. If we could have just fleshed out the one-dimensional hologram of characters a little more, that would have been great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what about, like, super competitive Parisi Square's daughter? Yeah, all we really get of her personality is she really likes Parisi Square's and she throws a temper tantrum. Yeah. And she's ambitious. I feel like that is the one place where the doctor's point is actually valid right mm-hmm. that she's playing with kids who are much older than her and it's dangerous yeah well i mean ultimately he's also mad about the klingons and then it turns out that like the klingons want him to do some kind of knife ritual so i feel like that is also kind of validated right but it's not like the klingons were talking his son into it no it's like yeah the the reasoning there was different that would have been an A-plus moment for a, I learned it from watching you! Outburst yeah. from the sun. But, I mean, it seems reasonable to me to have a, like, legitimate conversation with Belle and be like, "Yeah, you could get hurt by this. And that's what we're trying to prevent. Because, I mean, that is a, yeah. exactly what happens. That was, like, Chekhov's Parisi Square mallet or whatever. Like, <laughs> And if the tragic irony of the end, though, is that it kind of turns out, at least in that department, that father did know best in the worst way possible. Mm-hmm. Like uh, how it goes at the end of all the 50s sitcoms and stuff like, I told you so. Right. And then it's like, oh, God, I was right. I didn't want to be this right. And he also should have talked to his wife about all of these things. Yes. Yeah. Instead of being yeah. like, oh, I just have to solve these problems myself. We have to be a united front, so you have to do whatever <laughs> I say. Yeah. That's not, that's not how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that's given me some family flashbacks. Uh-huh. <laughs> as long as you live under my holodeck roof. <laughs> my hollow roof. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is, this came just came to me, but not necessarily what he could have done differently with his holodeck family. 
but I feel like there could have been like a button on this episode of the doctor like reflecting on his bedside manner now that he's had this experience mm. mm-hmm. of like I understand this of having to mourn a loss yeah more now yep. yeah yeah and I mean also considering that this is also a lesson about his hubris mm-hmm. the fact that he goes through a very similar arc, arc on other components of his hubris <laughs> it's actually striking like I never thought about it before because I generally, I think a lot of people like love doctor episodes. They're usually very funny, very well written, very well performed. But they, it, it's not dissimilar to what we've talked about with Bolana about her having to like rehash the same feelings about her Klingon heritage multiple times that they kind of like found a formula and they stuck with it. And yeah. we don't necessarily see the doctor. We do see him becoming humbler in, in little ways, but he's still like very susceptible to flattery and like yeah. trying a new thing and being like i'm now the master at this thing mm-hmm. <laughs> also i'm gonna sing an opera about how tuvok is going through pond far in front of everyone <laughs> i mean it was a dream but still that was so great i do like the point though that paris makes also about not just like you have to take the the good with the bad but also you take the good you take the bad you take it all and then you have the facts of real life. <laughs> but also the point about all of the loss that the Voyager crew has had to go through that he has never been able to empathize with until now. Yeah. And that it brought the crew closer together. So maybe he can now like be part of that in his chosen family. Mm. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. Dang, we were robbed. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one question that's that's slightly tangential i guess but this episode is not totally dissimilar plot wise to the offspring how do no, we, how no it do, is how not how do we feel it compares to the tng episode the offspring i don't think it's as good but it plays at the heartstrings in some of the same components some of the same ways i cried over both of them the offspring feels more genuine to me yes. it doesn't have this like comedy overlay I mean, there there are comedic parts to it, but yeah. like, it's not it's not jokey. Do you think it's also because Data doesn't come into it with pride, thinking he's going to be awesome at yes. this? Yes, and yeah. I think I think that's a very good reason reasoning there that that's part of why it works better. Data is seeing this as an experiment and not a thing that he's going into immediately knowing everything about. Also, he listens to Lull. And so does also, everyone else. Also, she has the complete and total agency of him being like, what do you want to mm-hmm. do? Exactly. He allows her self-actualization. Mm. Yeah. Well, now I'm just thinking about the offspring again. And now I'm wondering, is the doctor's way of doing this more ethical? Right? Because for, for <gasps> him, this is an experiment. And he is using non-sentient holograms. Data is creating actual life it's artificial life but it's actual life and it is still an experiment yeah but i think that when you look at in the offspring what ends up happening to wall is not through any is like not foreseeable um it's similarly like what happens with bell is a random accident 
Um, but I think the fact that like it was not foreseeable and that data was like, it's like saying, you know, anytime someone has a child, in some ways, it's an experiment. You don't know what's yeah. going to happen. And if you go into it thinking you know 100% how it's going to go and the kind of person your child will be, you're setting yourself up for failure. That's true. And it the doctor does see it as more of like a pastime. I'm bored, so I'm going to do this. Whereas yeah. I think yeah. data is a lot more... Like, this is what it means to He's be... He's more fully invested in a it. A sentient being is that we reproduce. About exploration yeah. and curiosity yeah. and learning and growth. And empathy. And empathy. Mm-hmm. Sort of, yeah. to a degree. Yeah. And there's the fact that Lol gets, like, I want to say they mention Lol again later on, and this never gets mentioned again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I mean, there's certainly... Uh, I don't remember if they actually talk about LOL in um, Picard, but I know there was a lot of speculation about LOL in Picard because of yeah. the whole daughter thing. But um, regardless, like, I think, yeah, that episode is trying to show that it's an expansion of the exploration of, of Data's quote-unquote human rights. But with this, it doesn't really seem to have that same kind of weighty ethos on it. It's, like you said, it's like the Doctor exploring something else and kind of having fun. Right. And he'll get bored of this and then he'll take up opera and then he'll take up writing (laughs) and then, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, if the show had gone on long enough, he probably would have taken up every imaginable hobby at some point. You know what would have been really funny is if Jeffrey just looked like a mini doctor and was like a bald teenager. Just like a slightly (laughs) shorter bald Picardo. Thanks, Dad. I love you. It also would have been very um, apropos for the Doctor's hubris. Oh, God, mm-hmm. yeah. What if it had just been like a scaled down Picardo wearing the Klingon gear and the frizzy wig? Oh, my God. Just being like, I'm into Klingon now, Father. I mean, all I'm saying is if you're going to do comedy, you should just own it. <laughs> also, if you're going to do Com tropes lean into it. Oh boy. But then we would have had to have insisted that Belle also be played by a slightly smaller Robert Picardo. Yeah. But I mean, all the stuff that, you know, the kind of problematic elements that we've mentioned are also in line with the 90s sitcom yeah. family, mm-hmm. where often it's like the dad is so put upon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, his attractive uh intelligent wife and his inexplicably good-looking wife (laughs) (laughs) exactly and like we kind of make fun of of how he doesn't really know everything and isn't necessarily the best at being like a husband and a father but at the end of the day we kind of accept this as plausible and cut Mm. them some slack yeah what if i'm just gonna i'm gonna throw a what if at you and i want you all to run with me on it for a second what if the son, who's really into Klingon culture, had gotten Moriarty'd mm. and had gained, like, hologram sentience mm-hmm. and just showed up as a villain every couple of seasons? Yes. But still is trying to be cl- a cool Klingon. Yeah. I, th- I feel like that would have been fun. Yeah. I was trying to think about what would happen if his wife got sentience and then became a member of she the She would have left him, probably. Like, better at everything than him. <laughs> But I feel like that also would have oh, just would have no. ended up reinforcing like ex-wife tropes. Yeah. Then we would have gotten the doctor making a lot of, well, let me tell you about my ex-wife. Do you think he did leave the program running for them, though? No. 
No, that, I, I don't think they would have let him. They need to conserve energy yeah, and no, stuff. Yeah, that's true. They were letting him run this program in the middle of a major crisis that we didn't understand and was not very memorable, but still. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he was running it and just didn't ask anyone for permission. That sounds like the doctor. They're just like, oh my gosh, the ship is under attack. Where's this big power drain coming from? What's going on? And they're like, doctor, what's going on? He's like, a very important experiment that is based around my ego. It also feels like I don't know what, what they would have done to co- conclude it in a way that felt right. But it does mm-hmm. feel a little bit weird that Bolana never shows up after she messes up his whole yeah, stuff. Yeah, Like, she You're shows right. up in the B-plot stuff, but she doesn't yeah. ever, like, check out what happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, in that point, I, I, I kind of take it back in that maybe Bolana should have been the you take the good, you take the bad mm. monologue or haver. I don't know. I think it, it helps that it was Paris because you can't construe that it, that it was his fault in any way. Yeah, for once. I don't know that it was Bolana's fault per se, but yeah. She has a lot of family trauma as well, but mm, a lot yeah. of anger towards her parents. Yeah. So she, I mean, she might have sided with Jeffrey. Who knows? <laughs> but I think it would have been interesting to see her and Katz go back for dinner. I feel like she would have taken some issue with Jeffrey also. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been great if we'd gotten like a second act of Kess and Bolana coming back for dinner with the new family. Or what if we'd have had like if Voyager had been a series today and we had more narrative long form storytelling if like the family just showed up occasionally throughout the season. That would have been really cool. Yeah. You could see how the doctor was adapting to things over time. And you could have different crew members drop in and it would be like, yeah, just he has his family. Although, yeah, now that I'm saying that, I think that could have been really cool. But I also can't help but wonder, how would other f- people feel about the fact the Doctor gets to have a family when yeah. none of them get to be with their families? I think it would be kind of cold comfort of they're not actually real. And for all we know, maybe other people have other fake hologram families set up on Voyager. I mean... Mm-hmm. Yep. They're having fake hologram love lives and beach parties and Captain Proton adventures. I mean, we know Tuvok does, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and there's that, that lady Marie, In a sense. Uh, Marina. And I'm not yeah. saying that like he shouldn't have been allowed to do it for that reason. Like obviously you don't, you know, deprive someone of something that they can have just because you can't have it, but it just makes me think that would be an interesting dynamic. We could have also gotten into some weird Leah Brahms territory there, Oof. though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just hoping that, I don't think we ever see it discussed, but I'm hoping that, like, holodeck time is rationed in the same way that replicators are rationed. Mm-hmm. You would think so, yeah. I mean, we do have, like, episodes where people are like, you're cutting into my holodeck time. Yeah, but that's like a reservation. So. You know, but not... also, like, you have to hope that the doctor has allotted time off. Yeah. Even though he doesn't necessarily need it. it. It seems to be that he does. Yeah, but, like, if the doctor had this family that was developing over time and other people were able to come and interact with them, I think that could have been a really interesting dynamic for a season. You need to make some more Vulcan friends and then cut to like him just hanging out with Tuvok and being like, what do we do now? I wonder if it would have gotten old, though. Yeah. Good question, Because if yeah. it's ongoing for a season, it's probably never going to be the main plot. Yeah. Until oh, yeah. we get to the, the end, assuming that it's like the same story drawn out along a season, right? And mm-hmm. Yeah. And Belle is still injured. 
and then it also would have been harder to, for to explain why he just abandoned the program after yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. If we had like gotten, you know, if all the crew members had gotten to know these characters and Janeway's asking him like, how are your conversations with Jeffrey going? And <laughs> Kess is like, I can't wait for another one of Charlene's pies. And uh, <laughs> um, I don't know, then it would have been really hard to explain. But I was going to say in terms of like the holodeck time, you have to hope that if it was like The Sims, potentially, that the doctor also just could have, like, instead of leaving the program actively running. Set them, like, on auto run. Well, just, like, be like, I'm joining now two days from now. Like, I went yeah. on a business trip. Uh, I'm back uh-huh. in two days. And still, like, advance things forward. I know that's not also very realistic. But given that he is kind of a family tourist. <laughs> He's an emotional tourist. That's what he is. He really is, though. Oh, wow. Can't can't shake that identification of him now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I feel like there's like a lot of really interesting issues that this episode could have touched on and maybe didn't 100% get there. But I, I'm grateful for it giving us the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, it's definitely an episode worth having a conversation about. There's always a lot to unpack when it comes to holodeck stories, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Do we have any, like, final thoughts on this episode? Well, we should rate it. Yeah. I give it 7 out of 10 missing ion mallets that I could have put away directly when I got home, but didn't. That is a very high rating for this episode, Grace. (laughs) Like I said, it made me cry. Fair enough. Okay, maybe 6.5. That's okay. You can stick with your original rating. Yeah. I'm going to give it 3.1 out of five harried wives who can't deal with the fact that their husband won't help with the kids oh my (laughs) i i feel like like a debbie downer now (laughs) (laughs) just do it man (laughs) i'm gonna go three out of seven because why not be prime (laughs) padawan braids Nice. I just, it's not one I feel like I need to come back to again for a couple of yeah, that's fair. decades. Uh, <laughs> we be calling them Jeffrey Braids, though, and we should yeah, go tell, tell Anakin Skywalker, tell uh, Episode 1 Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, you had a Jeffrey Braid all along. Jeffrey may have invented them, but Anakin popularized them. <laughs> I don't know. I felt like Obi-Wan rocked it harder than Anakin. <laughs> But then again, you and McGregor can just wear anything. Don't take away the one thing we have to be smug about over Star Wars. <laughs> one, of, <laughs> one of my Mandalorian friends on his on his armor has a section where it's just like a pile of of thin braids <laughs> from like the braids of Padawans oh, no. that his character has cut off. It's great. Oh no! Nice. Uh. Uh. Shout out Falco clan. Um. (laughs) It's enough. He can make a wig. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for our discussion. And that's about all the time we have. Grace, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at BonecrusherJank or listening to my Klingon music upstairs brutally. And Sue? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Spaltor. That's S-P-A-L-T-O-R. 
or perhaps watching some Parisi Squares. And I'm Jara, and you can find me not attending my Parisi Squares practice. And (laughs) I am also on Twitter at J-A-R-R-A-H Penguin, and I have a website, truckyfeminist.com. To learn more about our show or to contact us, visit Women at Warp. Email us at crew at womenatwarp.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Women at Warp. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.